Welcome to Unwrap Your Mind. My name is Maria Plal and this episode is very special to me. It is such an amazing and touching interview with my dear friend Joe and yeah it's I remember when we met the first time and I was so inspired by his story how he followed his heart and how he's now being in a school, owning a school, being a teacher there. Yeah, integrating now the body, the heart and the mind and bringing that wisdom to, to kids. And it's just so amazing to have that and also to, yeah, to have his, his story and how he followed his heart. And this interview was super emotional Uh, vulnerable, heart-opening and super inspiring. So I hope you enjoy it and you can look forward to it. Thank you so much for being here in the podcast with me um, this interview yeah will be recorded for unwrap your mind and i wanted to share the message uh, that you have with my listeners because it inspired me a lot when i talked to you the first time and i just wanted to to share that inspiration with others too and Yeah, so you're a friend of mine. We haven't, um, or we don't know each other since too long, but it was like a hard connection right from the beginning, at least what I can tell. And yeah, so your name is Joe and you were born in Nigeria. And then yes. you moved to the US, um, you said 1985. Yes. Yeah. And yes. now you're in Sweden since eight or nine years, 2012? Yes, eight years. Uh, this is the ninth year. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I basically want to talk about why you came to Sweden, because I think that was, that's such an inspiration to hear that and to, yeah, just want to talk about your story. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I'm really grateful that you're here. And I thank you very yeah. much. Me too. I'm grateful. <laughs> thank I would you like for the invitation and thank you for the opportunity. Sorry yeah. to cut you off. Yeah. No, I just wanted to um, give the voice to you now <laughs> so that you can share a little bit who you are and for everyone who doesn't know you maybe there's something you want to share about you as a person well i don't know if there's much to share but uh i can at least share my experience of life right because that's mm. <laughs> that's what is it that i have and um as you said my name is joe obi diego i was born in nigeria and um When I, I will make it short and I think I'll do better when you ask me questions. 
So what I'll do is I'll summarize my story. And then please ask me to expand on the parts that you find interesting. So as a young child in Nigeria, somehow I, my dad introduced me to tennis. And I became okay at it. I became good. I really loved tennis. I was passionate about tennis. And I wanted to be one of the best tennis players in the world. So, and along with that, I was going to school as everybody should go uh, back then. And by the time I was 16, I had a tennis scholarship in America uh, to go to university. And I took the chance and left when I turned 17. And my main point at that time, of course, I had to go to university to have my education, but I really wanted to pursue my passion of tennis afterwards because it was better. I had a better chance to do that in the States than Nigeria. So I came to the United States and I played tennis at a university. And I also, yeah, I continued with school. When I graduated, I didn't have enough money, financial resources to try playing professional tennis. So I continued to graduate school to study agricultural economics. And the reason I chose agricultural economics, I was thinking of eventually going back to Africa to work with agriculture, you know, on the economic side of agriculture. And, but along the way, uh, I also took some philosophy classes. I, along the way, I started to change a little bit in the sense that the way I saw life the way I understood life and I understood myself started to change, started to evolve. And I started questioning uh, to find the source of my own individuality. Because I don't know if people could understand what I'm about to say. When you grew up in Africa, you actually culturally doesn't allow you to see yourself as an individual. You are part of the collective. And and uh, my story, for example, whenever I go home, they never call me my name. They actually call me the son of my dad. Do you understand? All right. My that dad's was in name is Africa? Innocent. Yes. Or that so was really, uh, already in US? In Nigeria. Mm. When I go back to Nigeria, culturally, you are part of a collective. Now, there is safety in it as well, right? Because you always belong somewhere, right? You have people you belong to. They can't refuse you. So there is safety in it. So you never really feel the kind of loneliness that you can feel in Sweden or United States. That doesn't exist in Africa. But at the same time, you're not an individual. So at some point, I started trying to find the source of my individuality. And it made me start to look at things differently. And um, what is interesting, it made me even try to find, okay, what actually makes me happy? What is happiness? Because I want to be happy, but what is happiness? Is when happiness it? in a, huh? this Sorry, is when? in America. And how after old were I, you? Uh, after I finished my undergraduate, this happened at the graduate school. And you were? When I was doing at graduate school and I was, I would say 23, 24. Yeah, 23, 24. Uh, 
Yeah, I started at 22. I mean, all this started very slowly, right? Like it wasn't overnight. Just every uh, step led to the other. Because I started even when my senior year in university, I always wanted to win every tennis match. You know, I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to get these good results. I wanted to be a professional. But at some point, something started to ask, why, why, why do you want this? You know, like, is this what's going to define me? And I followed up on stories of people that became champions, but they were never happy, right? I saw people that were better than me, but they were not happy. So people that uh, run into personal problems, even if they were successful on the tennis court, people that run into personal problems, even if they were successful otherwise in school. So all that made me started asking, what do I really know about myself? Who am I? Why do I even want to be successful? Was it for me? Or do I want to be successful for my parents? Do I want to be successful for my friends? I mean, why? And I realized I never thought about any of these things. You know, I just wanted to be successful because that's what, is, um, that's what I'm supposed to do, right? I get the admiration of everybody. And, uh, but then when I started asking why, is that necessary? Is that what I need? in life. And if I get it, what happens to somebody who doesn't get it? I mean, so all this questioning about why do I want to be better than somebody else in the first place? I mean, what's the point? Made me start looking at things differently. Um, eventually, I don't know, I was struggling with all this and something happened. I had an injury that I couldn't get over. My knees started hurting. I couldn't get over it. So um, and this happened after my master's degree in agricultural economics. I was on my way to getting PhD, but then I, I stopped. I wasn't injured then, but I stopped because I wanted to start to reflect on life a little bit before I continue with this journey. Because as the day goes by, I wasn't inspired anymore because I realized that all this never really came from me. You know, it was just came from the, what I'm supposed to do. I mean, culturally, you know, from parents, from everybody else. I never thought about why. So I took a break and said, okay, I know that I like tennis. Let me play tennis a little bit, see how far I can go. And then I became injured. Uh, that I couldn't continue competing. So I said, okay, I'll take time off and start to coach other people that want to play while I'm trying to figure out life. And as I was coaching, it led me to start to reflect more and more and more on life because I started seeing things from different perspective that I did before. So as I was doing that, I started to write um, journals every day about my thoughts there and that. And eventually somebody convinced me to make a, write a book out of it, which I did. It was called Finding Your Way to Heaven Without a Smartphone. Can so I just... When I Go yeah. in there, like, um, because there was something very interesting when you said that you started to question why, like, mm -hmm. to ask yourself, why am I here? What is the, what is behind all of that? Life right. must be more. Where yes. did it come from? Was it the injury that you had, or was it before? It, it was 
It, it all started slowly before. Like I said, when I was, I remember clearly my last year of playing college tennis. Mm -hmm. I realized that winning was becoming so important that I started asking myself, why? You know, because I realized that it's beginning to take up a big part of who I am. I'm so caught up with winning. I have to win. I have to win. So, like, so if I don't win, I'm nobody. Do you understand what I mean? So without winning, I am nobody. Mm. And part of me realized I, couldn't, I didn't have the answer, but part of me realized this isn't quite right. And this is mm. not where I want to be. Right. And I thought before, I, I, I didn't think before, I just didn't think. I just thought the society honors champions. We talk about champions, people that win, you know, and they kind of looked at differently. And I wanted that. But I never thought about why. So the more I started to ask questions, and then I realized maybe that's not what I really wanted. I wanted something else. Uh, but I thought I could find that thing in winning. Mm. Do I make sense? Yeah. I was looking for something, but I thought I would find it in winning. I thought I would find it in achievements. What was it so, that you were looking for in winning? Was it well, the feeling? I was, at, at that time, honestly, I don't know. If I could just put it, it's you get recognized. Everybody thought I was special, right? Yeah. Mm. So I just want to be recognized that I'm special. I am all that. So I don't want to be ignored. You know what I mean? I want to be noticed. Yeah. I want to be seen. Yeah. I wanted to be accepted. And, and um, then when you take that question one step further, why do I need to be seen? Is it necessary? Right? Yeah. Why do I have to be accepted? So when, it, when I take that question further, and start to reflect on it. Then I realized all, all I was looking for was the source of my individuality. Mm. You know, so which you, if you follow that step, yeah. Go ahead, please. No, finish, finish. If you okay. So, which when I follow that led me to the infinite good at the source of all life. So it led me to a connection to everybody, right? So I'm really, my individuality is what connects me to everybody and everything, mm -hmm. not just every human being, but everything. So it's a bit uh, contradictory oxymoron. Like when I learned, uh, the more I know about my individuality, because it's still, this is a deep journey that I'm still even at the surface, then the more I see that I'm connected to everything. But I thought I would find that in achievements. You know, I wanted to be special. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to, you know, be liked by everybody. People like winners. So, um, and that in a way is a sort of connection to be known by everybody, right? To be liked by everybody. So that's sort of a connection that I was looking for. But it's a, it's a different kind of connection, right? Yeah, as you would know. Yeah, that's super interesting and, um... I'm, I'm just, I'm really wondering what was the, the peak or this like moment when this like thinking changed because is it something like, because I think some or a lot of people, they, they follow their passion and then, yeah. I don't know, maybe some, sometimes something happens that they maybe don't win anymore and then 
the okay. longings are still there or it, do you really do you think it was just coming from somewhere else you cannot describe or yeah no you i think one of the defining moments in my life and all this was when i left uh to when i left university graduate school mm -hmm. to say okay let me try you know, a few months, a few years in tennis on the professional tennis store. I went to the tournaments, I left from the States and I went to a tournament in South Africa mm -hmm. and uh, Mozambique and uh, Zimbabwe, Zambia. So the Southern part of Africa. When it finished, I came back and I was devastated because my knee was mm -hmm. really hurting so badly. And I didn't do, I didn't get the result I expected because of the injury and other things. Yeah. And so, and I was looking at myself. So when I came back to the States, I looked around and I was like, okay, so what do I do now? I mean, this injury isn't going away, you know? Uh, so how am I going to make a living? Go back to school and continue with education, which my heart does not want to do at all. Because at this point, I realized I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. So I'm not inspired to do it, but I didn't have any other option, right? Because I have to make a living I have to survive and there was a part of me that didn't want to do that I was like if I have to go through all this so I can just fit in just to survive what a life I was like how am I gonna you know how am I gonna deal with this because I'm gonna pretend uh the rest of my life and I thought about it but what other choice do I have I don't know I laid in bed at night you know pretty much to the point of really crying and I decided okay I have no other choice I have to go back to school Mm. to continue, even if I don't want to do it, but what else am I going to do? So after I decided that something happened, I have no idea why it is today. Something happened to ask, Joe, ask yourself this question. Mm. If you have to change your life today, if you have to look at your life and do something differently, right? Everything you have done, you tried, you wanted to play tennis and you left graduate school but after your master's, you didn't go all the way to PhD. And you tried to play tennis because that's what you really enjoyed. Knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? And I thought about it and I realized nothing. The only thing that I failed was that I disappointed my parents. Mm. There is a cultural pressure back in Africa. If you go abroad, if you go overseas, you're supposed to be successful when you come back. Right here, yeah, you're supposed to have all this like overseas. You know, if you go to the West, that's the land of opportunity. You're supposed to make it. And I looked at myself, I was like, okay, I didn't make it because at that time I looked around, all I have was my six tennis rackets, bunch of tennis shoes, tennis clothes, about two pair of jeans, and two bags. That's it. That's all I had to my name. Nothing else, you know, like really basically my toothbrush, mm -hmm. and that's it. And I, I can't go back to Africa. I'm sure, this is after about six years and counting. Yeah, six years and some months. If you go back to Africa and say, this is all I have, everybody will, I mean, my parents will be embarrassed of me, you know, like everybody will be embarrassed. So I realized at that time that what I was afraid of was this embarrassment, mm -hmm. not what I have done. Because I'm happy with what I have done, but how do I explain to my parents what I have done? How do I explain yeah. to the family friends? How do I explain to the whole village that says this guy's son is overseas and is supposed to be this graduate, you know, he studied and he's a good tennis player. 
But the only thing he had to his name is like six tennis rackets and tennis shoes, worn out tennis shoes. So that's actually what was eating me up. And then when I realized that what, who Joe is and who that I'm supposed to be to everybody else are two different things. And that's a fight between those two. That yeah. moment when it became clear to me what it was, right? So I was fighting this Joe that I'm supposed to be and the Joe that I really am. Then I really developed the courage to say, okay, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, when I, when I die, nobody's going to be there. Mm. I'm going to have to give account of my life. So I decided that moment that so I decided that that I would follow what <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's super beautiful. Thank you for being so vulnerable and open. I think that's a super important point, what you're also saying now, because so many people are exactly at that point. It's so important that we share like these ambivalence between those two parts this part, that's what I want to be and how I see myself and then the pressure of what is expected from me, how am I supposed to be? And then like the challenge is how can we find that balance, the alignment in between, right? For sure, yes. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Renee, I wish. But, no, um... Don't be sorry, I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Super inspiring. Thank you. So after I found the courage, you know, to see the difference between the two and what's happening. So I decided I would follow my heart. Mm -hmm. And at that time it was difficult because I felt like I let my dad down and I was very, very close to my dad. And that time it didn't take many years afterward that he died. So actually that's why, mm -hmm. but what was good was, <laughs> What was beautiful before he passed, he actually told me that he was so proud that I decided to follow my heart. And that's what I was afraid of that I let him down, but I didn't. But he told me that before he passed, that uh, he was very, uh, very proud and inspired that I actually, that I decided to find out what I wanted. But, and I don't know, I'm glad I did because this killed me for many years. I couldn't be myself because I was trying so hard to please my parents, to please everybody else. And uh, so after I managed, when I get through that stage, I developed more courage to find out who I am and what I really wanted. And that's what led me more than away from uh, a life of achievements. And I started trying to find fulfillment you know, for whatever it is. And uh, so through that, I, I worked on this first book and, uh, and I, uh, 
published after I, before I published it, I met this gentleman from Sweden. Yeah, the can I court. yeah can I go in in there because there's yeah, please. um so now we had this like you said that you grew up in Africa but like you were born there but then you moved to the U.S. You studied things and you were uh, like you had this passion for tennis and then you also achieved things and you were happy with what you achieved but then there was this pressure of like what are the others back home thinking about me and what am I thinking yes. about myself and then this was a quite a hard time to also deal with this pressure that built up through this um, not alignment between those two parts Is that right correct and then correct. you started to follow your heart and you wanted to find out so what is really what my heart tells me and yes. then you went further into that um, question in this inquiry about what is what my heart really wants and then you then was it then a few years after you decided to also write a book and to write everything down and as I remember when we talked the first time you shared that you were playing uh, you were coaching tennis with like very successful um, people from the US and right. and then you then there was this special moment when you met someone uh, someone yes. from Sweden right yes can you yeah share a little bit about what happened on that day when you met this person this guy from Sweden yes it was a very sheer accident I mean the guy he came to meet somebody one of uh, my co-workers and then that coworker happened to be double booked, so he could not help him that day. So he asked me to, please, can I help him and give him a, a tennis lesson for one hour? So I said, no, I couldn't, I was very busy. And he persisted. I mean, I really never seen anybody that really wanted to play that much. So I said, okay, I'll just give you a chance. I'll give you half hour because I'm really busy and I was so booked. Just uh, something about me, my head said no, but my heart said, okay, just give this guy half hour. And when we started playing tennis, he asked me and I gave him a tip, give him a pointer. And afterwards, for 20 minutes, he said, you know, the way you talk to me, nobody else has told me this uh, about tennis. What, what, you know, why, where do you get that from? I don't know. I just gave him some answer that I don't remember because I just wanted to get it over with. And then when we finished, he asked me, is it possible? Can I come back and talk to you again? I mean, this. Like, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Come back. Let's have lunch. He said, can we have lunch? And then I'm like, okay, this guy's quite curious. Let me just give him a chance to hear what, why he wants to have lunch. So I met him about two days later. We were having lunch and he started asking me questions about life and with the way you spoke on the tennis court. I've been to many tennis academies and spoke to tennis coaches. Nobody explained things to me that way. So I want to know more about you. And then one thing led to another, and I started telling him about who I was, and I'm writing a book at that time. And he asked me, please, please, can I read the manuscript? And I think that was strange. I mean, this is a stranger. I don't know him. Why do you want to read the manuscript? 
But again, I thought about it. What would be the best thing for a stranger to give you a really good feedback, right? Because he has nothing, you know, he has nothing to lose. And also, uh, if you write a book, it would be nice to see what a stranger thinks about it. So I said, okay, have a go at it. And then there's a portion of it that I write, I wrote about school because I did not like my experience at school. I hated school. I was good at it. I had really good grades, but the whole experience was terrible because I felt something was wrong with this whole process of it. So when I wrote my thoughts on how I think school could be better uh, in some of the chapters there, so he came back and he said, it, said I want that part is very interesting because I felt the same way too. I mean, I've worked hard my life. I've made a lot of money because Jeremy is quite wealthy. And he was, but if I know what I know now, I would have gone about it differently. And I wish I had learned something because life, success, and wealth is not what I thought. You know, if I had known what I know now that I became successful, I would go about it differently. What can we do? You know, what can I do about this now? I have all this, you know, I have money, I have connections. What can I do? So, well, if you want to help society, we know that children is the best way to stop. Is that and what he said or what you said? No, he asked my opinion. Mm, and because I am, because he's semi-retired. Because I really feel like I have money and I have this success and I have connections, but how can I contribute to life? Yeah. So that other people don't go through what I've been through, you know? Yeah. Like I've gone through all this and when I got the wealth and the success, it's not what I thought it was going to be. Can we yeah. help other people to see this or at least reflect on it from a younger age? How mm. can I contribute? Say, okay, if we have to start with children, we know that... The system brings them to school from Monday to Friday, right? Yeah. If you know we're going to get them Monday to Friday, why not we teach them from Monday, get somebody to tell them from Monday to Friday how to reflect on your life. Let them start to reflect. Why do they come here? What do you want to do? How do you see yourself? Just start to ask them questions because I really think kids can figure this thing out themselves if we ask them the right questions. So if you can have a school where the teachers can help children just to reflect because you don't really need to teach them anything you just ask them questions and the wheels will start to turn inside they'll figure it out so i think that's the best thing you can do he said okay and nine months later he came back and he said to me uh okay i like your advice it was great now i bought schools we're gonna go back to sweden and go do it <laughs> like what he goes yeah 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 i think that was great advice I went to Sweden, I bought two schools. Now, let's go back and do it. All right, I'm not a teacher. What do you mean? Let's go do it. I just write books. He goes, no, no, no. The way you wrote it, you understand it so well. You're the one that's going to teach it. <laughs> I don't mm. speak Swedish. I'm not a certified teacher. I don't have this qualification. How am I going to come to Sweden? I don't know anybody and just start all over. Meanwhile, I have a very comfortable life, you know, in Florida, Naples, Florida. You know, where the weather is fantastic, I'm making good money, not having to work very hard. Because yeah, 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 but I don't nobody understand this. You understand well, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna come, you need to teach this. That's what you know, I really believe your calling is. I'm like, I can do this. But then 
and I'm asking when he goes, no, we're going two months. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, when two months, we're it? ready. He came Did back you? in, this is 2012. That he told me in July. Yeah, he told me in July, August. No, he told me in June. He came back in June. August, uh, July, August. I had to and, move at the end of August. And when did you meet him the first time? How much time was the, between that? Between uh, you moved? The first time I met him, I could say 2011. Okay, so not sure. like like a year. Um, what, it happened just like that. Like I told you, yeah, like it happened yeah. just like that. Because we had that conversation. He came back to Sweden. Uh, and stayed he bought through. the schools, and then he bought the school. Then he yeah. came back. Yeah, and then he came back and said, "Okay, I'm gonna come get you." Yeah, we're ready to go. So, was he into schools? Like, did he? Does he have any like connection to schools before? Or no, he was not. He, he was. Uh, but his main, he has a lot of investment, but his main uh, business was uh, employment agencies. So, so he goes. All the people come out for university, he helps them to get jobs. You know, he connects them to different companies. And that's so interesting. Like you both yeah. haven't had any clue about teaching at schools. Um, and then he just got so inspired by your like idea about the school system that you wrote right. in your book. And right. from that, he acted on it and you eventually did act on it too, right? Yes, because then when I started thinking about it, the offer was there. And again, also another turning point because I had to think about it and I'm like, okay, my head says absolutely no. You know, you're not leaving your comfortable job and going to Sweden where I'm not a teacher. As a matter of fact, actually, I hated school. You know, when I wrote that, I wrote it as actually a criticism of school, not a way to support school. It was a big time criticism of the whole school system. Mm. And then my heart said, you know what, if I don't do this, then I have no reason to ever criticize anybody for anything. Because one thing I just showed me was it's easy to criticize what's happening, but you're not going to do anything about it. Right? Because I didn't want to put myself, I mean, I saw what is wrong. I have an idea how it could be better, but somebody else has to do it, not me. Right? Because I'm comfortable in my job. So I realized what a hypocrite, you know, that I would be and my heart will never heal if I talk my way out of that, having to do that. So I really didn't have any choice because if I didn't come here with that opportunity was presented, uh, something in me would die that I don't think I'll ever regain. Your heart right? would die, right? Exactly. Part of it would die that I don't know if I will ever regain. So I really didn't have any choice. I had to go. And it, of course, it wasn't, there was a lot of fear. You know, there was a lot of anxiety. Like, how do you do this? What's going to happen? But I kind of learned to trust my heart. You know, I realized mm -hmm. that I have to follow my heart and then let it fix it, you know? Yeah. So reluctantly, and, but also with a strong heart. I mean, yeah. reluctantly in my head, because my head was like, God, why you leave this comfort? <laughs> Everything is all said. So just stay here and write books and let people deal with it. And... Uh, so uh, that's yeah. how I ended up coming here. And, and uh, it, yeah. You came to Sweden um, mm -hmm. because you followed your heart. Yes. Now, how did you know that it was your heart that was speaking? What was the difference uh, between your head and the heart? How can you, what is so clear about 
<laughs> it's a good question. I don't think it's ever clear because the head is actually very strong, right? Okay. Because the head gives you reasons. The heart is, you know, right? So is it a feeling? If I may, or... say, if I may say something, if I may say something, which I hope you understand in the right spirit, it's like almost like a mother. Women have good intuition, mm. right? So when your intuition tells you something, you know, is right. And you can't argue about it. So it was that intuition. So I don't know. Can you explain intuition? I really can't. So For me, it was... intuition is a, an, a feeling which is opening. It's a soft mm -hmm. feeling. But yeah, it's hard to completely explain it. It's not possible to put this feeling into words. Exactly. But if I would have to, then it's, mm -hmm. it's something that is warm in the heart. Exactly. That's a very good way because it was warm in the heart because I knew it is a calling. This is what I have to do. But everything in my head, you know, the logic wanted to yeah. stay with the comfort, you know, yeah, because really yeah, I have this comfortable lifestyle, right? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't want to give that up. But I knew, like you said, there's a warmth about it. So even when I was coming with all the insecurities about all this big change at this mm -hmm. late part of my life, and not knowing there was a warm feeling behind it, which I'm glad you said it that way. There still was this warm feeling behind it because I, mm. I knew it was the right thing to do, even if I didn't want to do it. So yeah, I, just, I knew it was the right thing to do, yes. So, and you still think that? Like now we're no. nine years from, um, yeah. from back then, what is happening now? How does your... Um, they look like what are you doing is the school still existing what happened uh with the oh, school? school yeah <laughs> uh the school is growing stronger and stronger we're getting better every year of course very challenging uh at the beginning and we still face challenges but it's quite growing and this is actually uh for me the clear difference between achievement and fulfillment now at work i'm fulfilled Right. Mm. Before it was about achievement. You know, I have all these achievements that I have, but now I'm finding fulfillment every day. So it's still very, you know, uh, you know, it's a tough work, you know, um, like you understand to be connected to people. You know, we have mm. almost 300 kids to be open and connected to them. It's, it's challenging, but it's a very good type of challenge. You know what I mean? You enjoy it because each day, each day is a new opportunity. That's how I see everything, you know? Like I don't see uh, the challenges as something stressful or killing. I mean, I just see opportunities every day. So I, I, I love it, you know? Like, yeah, if my life ends tomorrow, I will be so happy with what I've done that I made that decision. So I really feel blessed mm -hmm. that I listen to my heart. Yeah, I feel very blessed about it. And uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's wonderful if I have to say that yeah yeah it's beautiful and I think it's like one big thing is that you followed your heart um, you kept listening to it you open it up and I guess as I know it from myself it's super painful to open the heart and to like one step is to follow it but then to be still in the heart or to keep being in the heart when there's rejection coming and mm -hmm. to stay open and connected to the heart. I, I think that's 
is super beautiful, but it's also super painful. And, and then you created this vision basically that you had and you manifested it into like a physical school and the right people came to you the moment you also started opening up your heart and following that. And what does the school, like the school is in Stockholm and yes. what is the difference between this school that you are, um, that you have and the other schools? Like it's a private school, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, it's a private school. And what is the and, difference? Like what is in the, the schedule? What is, what do they learn at school? Um, yeah. what they normally wouldn't yeah. have. Yes, we have a, our curriculum is split into, we have academic developments and individual developments. Mm. So with the academic, we fulfill everything that is school Beckett, the Swedish school, uh, uh, school board called school Beckett requires that uh, the students must go through to learn academically. And then the individual development is about personal growth. So we have the three main uh, courses. We deal with, uh, you know, there are three faculties in the human being, right? There are so many faculties, but there are three main ones. Thinking, feeling in the heart, and then the will is in the stomach, right? The will to survive. Mm -hmm. So the will goes through your whole body. We deal with trying to develop knowing yourself connecting to your body and understanding yourself through the body. We try to do yoga for that, right? Because that's a physical way to exercise your will and to be in touch with who you are through your body. And then we do mindfulness, which is a way to quiet down your breathing, right? Yeah, to calm and become in touch with what you're feeling, how you, what's the feelings that happen inside to develop your heart. And then we do active thinking, which is the class that I, uh, that I teach mainly. Uh, and this is actually not thinking in the ordinary sense, because very often what people or what we do, all of us, what we do is we react and, and we confuse that for thinking, right? Mm -hmm. For example, when we finish this uh, interview, I might be hungry and then I say, okay, what do I eat? That's not thinking, I'm reacting to hunger, right? Yeah. So in thinking, then you ask a question. I mean, what is hunger? You know what I mean? Why, why am I hungry? I mean, one of the examples that I give the children, if you ever question hunger, hunger is something that never goes away, right? You can eat all you want, eventually you become hungry again, right? It's a problem you can never solve one time. It's a whole lifetime it follows you. So when you think about that, then you realize that why, why is it that it can never go away? It makes us realize that in order for us to live, we're connected to our environment. Mm. The food that you're gonna eat comes from your environment, right? Yeah, if I can eat one time and then never be hungry again, then after a while, I'll become disconnected to the plants. You know what I mean? I realize that I don't need them. Like I become disconnected from them. I become disconnected from everything else you know the water so the hunger is something that makes us realize that you're forever tied to your environment you are your environment mm. my at least my body yes my body 
is sustained by this environment. If anything happens to the environment, this body won't exist. So that's actually the message of hunger, you know, to bring us to that, that we're eternally tied to our surroundings. And then that's, um, so but that's active thinking rather than reacting to hunger. If I react to hunger, I just solve the problem, you know, like I go and eat and then that's it. I don't ask yeah. any questions. Yeah. That's so such a beautiful example. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. So that's basically, yeah, in active thinking, that's what I do. And I, uh, I learned so much from the kids because uh, we bring up a topic and then we just discussion and it's mainly asking questions. And sometimes they'll turn it around and then force me to have to give an answer. Why do I think this? Why? Because they've become, they've become better over the years <laughs> and learning how to ask questions. So they will, sometimes they will really, yeah, they will pin me and then ask me like, okay, you have to explain why this. And I said, mm -hmm. if you want me to give you my opinion on what I think, I'll give it to you. But, uh, but I try not to give them opinions. You know, I want them to come up with their own. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And it's very important. We don't go into philosophies of other people, like let them come up with their own philosophy. Like everybody's a philosopher, right? So yes. come up with your own yeah, understanding and explain why you think what you think and why you believe what you believe. Now, of course, it's going to be tough for them now because they're still young, but I encourage them to do that. Yeah, and I, I think the interesting thing is also that the... The, these active thinking as you uh, describe it or name it mm -hmm. it's something we're all born uh, we're born with that like when yes. you look at little kids they're just asking why is this happening why 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 and then we yes. kind of stop learning that and what i can now see is like what the school is it your school or is it the um you're just teaching there yeah, I'm a part owner now, uh, but uh, mm, okay. it's mainly owned by Jeremias. Yeah, Jeremias owns yeah. a big share. Yeah, I'm just, but, I own a small share in it, yeah. Okay, but let's call it at your school because it yeah. was also your vision. So what I can see with the your school is that you keep having this, or you keep it, how do you say, alive? This mm -hmm. questioning, you keep that alive in the kids. and. Yes as I also remember what was the reason why you came to where you are right now, also as a happy and personal fulfilled person, um, that the question why, why am I here was this big part, a big chunk of like the reason why you're here now. So I am, I am super, I'm first of all super happy that you share that with all of us that you that you followed your heart and also what you like developed it's just it's such a beautiful thing and I yeah I really hope that these school systems become reality especially now after we could see that we're like, we have school systems that are so old school mm. and that this is the new age, the new school. And that there must be something else than just having a normal studying with the head and disconnecting completely from the body. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes, I pray so too, because uh, 
it, it will it will make a difference in our lives yeah. if we really just pay attention to ourselves a little bit more, right? Mm. You know, to do a good uh, education system to, yeah. to bring us back to ourselves, so we're not just out there. Yeah. Do you um, still have a bigger vision for, in general, or like, do you keep visualizing like the school system to change or anything like that? Yeah, I, I really would love because when I see what I see what we have done here in this school in this short period, and how beautiful it could be if it could grow and mm -hmm. spread and reach other children. Because it's amazing, really. You can see it in our, in our students here, how it makes them feel to be a part of this school. And what, I wish that on every, every child possible, right? Like, it really would be nice, as you said, for it to really grow, uh, to become the new way but I also, all my years of learning, I realized the best way to do it is to focus and do the best job that I can yes. with this school. Let this school speak for itself. You know what I mean? Let it be that light that will kindle the other lights everywhere yeah. else. So I realized, yes, I really believe the best way to do that is to just keep focusing every day in being the best that I can be here. Mm. And I realized it will, it will, um, it will eventually kindle the lights in other places and other it schools. Will. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have um, a question in the end. Okay. And it's from, it's not, I didn't make that question up, but it's um, from a girl or a woman I, I really inspire who's also doing podcasts. And she asks in the end, if you have, if it's the last day of your life and you, and there's nothing left from any digital um, devices, no recordings, the podcast is not here that recorded that, you just have a piece of paper and you can write down three wisdoms and you want to leave them to the world, what would it be? What do you want to leave here if it's just three wisdoms on the paper? The, the first thing that comes to mind right away, love is all. Everything is love. And yeah, if I could just say love is all. If understood, because uh, there, there isn't really anything else out there. That's what makes me safe when I say that love is all. Mm -hmm. it, it helps me to absorb even with people that don't agree with me. Right. So I really don't have any more enemies. People that I don't, uh, don't agree with me, people that don't wish me well, people that I feel disappointed me. It's easy for me to see the love in it. So that's something that's helped me quite, all, quite often. When I start getting down on myself, I get down on other people, and I realize that then I'm getting away from the love. Love is all. 
And that's, if I may just leave that for now, that's one thing that I will mm. like to write. And I hope it's understood in the right context. Yeah. Mm, that's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, one question that just came to me was how, like, if anyone listens to that and one or and has kids and wants their kids to be in a school like that mm -hmm. what can they do is there like how do they can they just come to the school you have or what is yeah if they're in sweden uh you know in swedish school is open to everybody right mm -hmm. you can just apply now if it's full you have you get in line but otherwise, that's something beautiful about the Swedish school system is everybody, you can go to any school. As long as there's a space, you're allowed in. Unless and if there's no space, then you have to wait in line. What's the name of your school? Spira Skulan. Spira Skulan. So I don't know. S-P-I-R-A-S-K-O-L-A-N. Spira Skulan. Yeah. Mm. So Spira School. And Spira is a Latin word for growth. So yeah, um, wow. yeah, we're, yeah, we're, uh, our main goal and vision is, is growth for everybody, adults and, and children alike, because all of us need it. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And yeah. it's for like priests, like it, when do they start, what age? Yes, pre-K to year nine. So from age six to 16. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I really wish that this school is a seed for, and as you said, a light bringer to spread the light to bring more inspiration to other schools and for this system. And yeah, is there the anything yeah. you want to mm -hmm. share more uh, that you want to leave here or? No, I just really want to thank you for this, uh, giving me the chance to uh, share this, uh, what I'm doing, what we're doing here at this school. And uh, uh, I really feel very um, inspired when we met the first time I talked to see somebody at your age so uh, dedicated because I could feel it in your whole energy, you know, about about wanting a better world, you know, wanting to do something. I mean, that's quite inspiring, right? That gives hope, you know, for the, for the world, because sometimes it's tough when you look around what's going on, you're like, boy, you know, realistically, do we have any chance of, uh, uh, of creating this better world that we visualize? But again, that's the head, the head doubts, but the heart really believes. And also uh, when I spoke with you, and uh, the energy that I got from you, the whole insights was very inspiring. So I want to thank you for that. Please keep doing what you're doing, following your heart. And um, mm. yeah, thank you for giving me this chance to speak today about mm. uh, our little contribution towards this world that we believe in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah thank you so much for your words for being here, for opening up your heart and for showing you completely yeah. authentic and 
Yeah, I'm really inspired uh, by you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Maria. I hope you enjoyed the interview and that you could take some inspiration with you from that and that your heart is filled with love and inspiration and compassion and excitement and joy for life and for discovering your own heart's truth and yeah i hope you are inspired to to be ready to follow your own heart's truth because we all have that within us and it's just about rediscovering that and remembering what it is and once we we are open to that it will come and it will show itself to it uh, to us and yeah and then it's about yeah being ready and saying yes to it even though it might seem more difficult but in the end it all pays off and it's what we're here for and we all have a purpose and we all have our heart's truth and the reason why we are here so yeah be curious to discover that and to live in alignment with your heart in ease and in joy and in pleasure with life have a beautiful day bye bye